Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at Roth consulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth with Sean Dennity. How are you doing today, Sean? No, I'm great, Mike. How are you? It's a beautiful Friday afternoon. Yes, traffic uh, trapped you out here, so we got we had, <laughs> we had a few little computer glitcheroos, so we're starting the show a little bit late. Well, better late than never, I always say. But we will run it uh, for the full hour, so we'll be going to about uh, 12 minutes after uh, 5 o'clock. I guess I've known Sean for, uh, what, six or seven years six, now? Six, seven years, yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in various incarnations, and today <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about the power deregulation industry. Correct. And uh, we might even talk about uh, cellular phones. Is that fair? Absolutely. Um, Why don't you tell our our listeners, Sean, uh, a little bit about you and how you got to where you are today? Well, a little about me. I'm obviously I'm born and raised here in Cincinnati. Actually, I uh, was in the wireless world for about seven years, working for uh, T-Mobile and Sprint um, in the uh, business-to-business channel. Um, I got involved. Um, in energy deregulation uh, just a little over a year year ago. Um, I have a business that um, helps consumers and small businesses um, with uh, saving money, really, and educating them on um, what's been going on with gas and electricity and how rates can really affect uh, what they're paying month to month. And um, it, I've really... Now, I'm not an expert, but I've really gone to school on the whole energy deregulation and getting a better understanding of how it works, what it is. And, um, you know, because I know you as well as I am are consumers. And when you see, you know, you get inundated with, you know, stuff from different uh, suppliers like IGS, Direct Energy, you get all this stuff in the mail and you're, you're trying to decipher all of it along with trying to read your own, you know, Duke gas and electric bill. You can get a little overwhelming. So what I what I try to do is... Not necessarily, you know, sell something, but want to at least educate people on, you know, at least to be able to know what energy deregulation is and basically how to read their own bill. Because I, here's what I found, Mike. A lot of times when I ask people, hey, do you know what your rate is for your gas and electric? You know, they look at me like I'm speaking Greek. They don't know. Um, a lot of consumers don't. They just open up. The, the response I normally get is I open up my bill, I write a check, and I pay it. Um, probably a lot of people like me who've tried to read the bill. Only to discover it's been uh, codified mm-hmm. and broken down with regulatory charges and, and rates mm-hmm. for things that you don't understand what they are. Correct. You don't understand what the quantity is. Everyone knows what a gallon of milk is. Right. But, you know, what's a kilowatt hour? What's a delivery charge? Right. Uh, all of these things get terribly confusing. Correct. Uh, now, Sean has agreed to uh, take questions from our listening audience. Uh and you can call in today uh, at 646-595-4916. I will be able to screen the calls during the commercial breaks. Uh, Sean, 
Yeah, maybe a good place to start is to talk about the various line items that people see sure. on their electric bill. Well, if you, uh, depending on who your utility is, let's, let's um, start with the simplest. Let's Duke start with customer. Duke Energy. Yeah, let's start with Duke Energy. So, for Duke Energy customers out there, when you look at um, your bill, um, you if if you're gas and electric, or if you're just electric, um, there's there's two sections. There's a section that is based on generation, generation charges that Duke is going to charge you no matter what. And those are rates that they, that Duke comes up with based on, you know, uh, because they control the power stations, they control the, the tubes, what I say is the tubes, poles, pipes, and wires that um, go from the power station to your home. So they're going to charge for that. That is their overhead cost so they are going to um they are going to have to charge you for that now the other portion of your bill is the actual supply so gas and electricity is a commodity okay it's it's traded on the stock market just like you know png stock is um and consumers um have the right to pick and determine who actually supplies the actual commodity of gas and electricity to their home. That is the second portion of your Duke bill, and that's generally the most expensive part because... Well, let's, let's stop for a moment. Sure. And maybe no one else got confused, but I, I certainly did right okay, there. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> the first line on the bill is not the usage, but the charge for the pipe. Right, the actual, yeah, the actual what's called generation. So Duke is going to... Duke will transmit... Um, the energy to your home. The actual supply is different, mm-hmm. right? So when you see those wires that come to your house, Duke has a fixed charge for the use of that service or that wire or that pole or that gas pipe that comes into your home. They have a fixed charge for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what actually comes through those wires and pipes is the actual gas and electricity supply. And that is the other portion of your bill, and that is where consumers and businesses can really make a make a big savings. And you know, but they don't know it. Um, and if they do, it's hard it's hard to understand. So, really, the thing that I like I said, the thing I try to do with consumers and businesses is sit down with them and go over their bill, and I can teach them and show them you know, how that, how that breaks up. Because if, you know, if there are listeners out there right now who are, you know, saying, well, what's that all that mean? They pull up their Duke bill and I still don't get it. Um, honestly, you know, it, it can be, it can be a little overwhelming, but just to know that there's two, there's two basic parts to a, to a, to a utility bill. There's the generation side and there's the supply side. So can you save uh, consumers and small businesses money on both sides of the bill? No, just the supply side. Just the on one, the, the amount used. Correct. The the one thing that remains constant is the utility. And that's another question I get a lot is, you know, do I have to change utilities? Absolutely not. Duke Energy or Dayton Power and Light or whoever your local utility is is always going to remain your utility. Okay. Um, so in the event of a power failure, if you choose to use an independent supplier. Mm-hmm. Right. It's Duke who's responsible for fixing the wires to fall down in the windstorm. That is absolutely correct. And there's no charge to the consumer for repairing those wires or pipes. That's up to Duke. Yeah, uh, I don't know if, uh, but yeah, I don't. As far as I know, they don't charge for that. They might, but they, yeah. But if like, so if you smell gas in your home, you call Duke. If mm. your power is out, you call Duke. And like you said, if a, if a tree hits a wire and it goes down, you call Duke. And that's, you know, that's something that I think consumers really need to understand, you know, because, um, you know, the, this whole deregulation thing. And I know, you know, lots of people get inundated with this stuff. I know there's, there's people that walk around that go door to door with, you know, little lanterns and clipboards saying, I want to see your gas and electric bill. Right. Yeah. Um, so one thing I also would like to, um, uh, with this whole energy deregulation thing with your, uh, with your listeners is um, when you are speaking with... Um, a third-party supplier for gas and electricity. Make sure that they are PUCO certified. Now, PUCO is the Public Utility Commissions of Ohio. And for a third-party supplier to be authorized uh, legally to provide um, that kind of service, they need to be certified in the state of Ohio. Um, so like myself, I have a, I have a badge um, that I show that in, that for the company that I represent, which is called Zoom Energy, um, I have to show to consumers and business owners um, 
every time I talk to them. They, that way they know that I'm certified and I am legally allowed to talk to them and sell them um, energy, gas and electricity supply. Okay. So that's another thing for consumers to be really aware of. How many uh, alternate suppliers are there authorized here in the state of Ohio? Um, honestly, I'm not 100% sure on that, but if you go to the if you go to the uh, Public Utilities of Ohio Commission website, um, they uh, you can Google that uh, PUCO. If you just type in PUCO, it will actually pull the website up. Um, you can actually get a list of the authorized suppliers. Now I know uh, besides Zoom Energy. Um, I know IGS is one. I know uh, North American Power, I believe, is another um, authorized uh, third-party supplier. But beyond that, I don't really pay much attention to them. I only worry about the one that I that I that I represent. <laughs> and you represent Zoom. Zoom Energy, yeah, X O O M Zoom Energy, yeah. And, uh, because it's X dot Z. It's X X O O M. Yep. Oh, okay. That was confusing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think this microphone we're using is called the Zoom. Oh, is that right? <laughs> um, and something, you know, and here's something interesting as well. Um, I pulled down some information because um, I know um, I'm sure some of your listeners out there have been probably seeing increases in their um, electricity costs um, over the last probably, I would say, 8 to 12, maybe even 24 months. Um and I know, Mike, we, I'm sure you've seen this, too, is that there's been a lot of um, talk and media surrounding the shutdown of um, coal-fired uh, power-producing plants uh, around the United States. Yes, because they can't meet uh, EPA standards, is that carbon, it? Yeah, it's for, because of carbon emissions. So some interesting in, um, information I found here. Um, a, a, a great website that I go to to look up information and get um, uh, get some updates on what's happening in the energy markets is the U.S. Energy Information Administration. So that's www.eia.gov. Um, and one of the interesting um, art pieces of information I found here was looking at electricity. Um, in, during 2013, an estimated 5,700 megawatts of total of coal capacity was retired in the United States. Uh, from January through September of this year, the industry shut down an additional 2,265 megawatts of coal capacity, um, with an additional 895 megawatts of retirements planned through the end of this year. Now, that, is a re that accounts for about 2.9% of the existing coal-fired capacity for the entire United States. Um, over the past five years. Now, here's what, get, here's what gets really interesting. For 2015, uh, the EIA is expecting more than 12,800 megawatts of capacity to be expired. So, essentially, what, is, you know, what does all that mean? Well, you and I both, you know, folks out there know that coal-fired um, power supply has been, you know, pretty much the standard for electricity supply for, for decades. Especially for this part of the world here Correct. in the Midwest. Yeah, and for most, and if you know most of the folks out there that live in the Cincinnati area know that the Beckyard plant down there on uh, Route 52 was recently shut down. Mm -hmm. So what is happening is that you know with all of these cutbacks in shutting these plants down, and alternatives are starting to ramp up um, within that transition time. That's why you're seeing this increase in electricity costs. And the same um, actually on EIA.gov, um, the residential retail price. For electricity has gone up from last year to this year by 3.6%. Um, well, Duke offered us a, a much bigger increase. They went from 5.5 cents per kilowatt hour to looks like seven cents. Yeah, well, that this is wholesale throughout. This is an average for the entire United States. Ah, okay. So each individual market is going to be different. Each individual market is going to be different, um, but. Um, and when we get and you know what we could also go into too is to talk about some of the alternatives, alternative mm -hmm. energy sources that are out there. Um, but you know, right now, let's, let's do that after this. Yeah, break. again, after again, the break. if you have any questions about uh, electrical or gas alternative uh, alternatives for your home or your business, uh, our number is six four six five nine five four nine one six. We're going to. Uh, let Jimmy Fox talk about the next upcoming Tip Club meeting next week. That's going to be on Thursday, the 18th, from 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. here at the uh, Sandler Training Center in Eastgate, 4357 Ferguson Drive. That's 
free if it's your first meeting. All you have to do is follow Jimmy's instructions. Go to uh, dipclub.com, find the event for Cincinnati, and register. Uh, Jimmy, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Tip Club? Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat, please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. And we're talking about energy and alternate uh, supplies today. Sean, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you uh, after the show? Sure. Um, Easiest way to reach me, actually, uh, is via cell phone, obviously. You know, I worked in the cell phone industry. So Um, my cell phone number is 513-227-4284. And uh, or if you want to reach me via email, um, it can. It's at uh, S as in Sam, P as in Paul, D as in David, six four seven three at yahoo.com. And there's also a website um, that does go over my business and does talk about energy deregulation a little bit more. And uh, that website is www.seandenedy. S e a n d e n n e d y dot a c n i b o dot com so sean denity dot a c n i b o dot com uh sean uh what's the uh different status between electrical deregulation here in ohio and gas deregulation okay uh Explain that a little bit to me. I'm trying you to can buy uh, electricity from alternate suppliers. Correct. Can you buy, yes, uh, you can natural do gas. Oh, natural gas. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. Yes, yes, you can. You can do both. Um, and actually, the, the the interesting thing about natural gas, um, a lot of us remember um, our good friend Polar Vortex that uh, that hit us last year and a couple uh, of weeks ago too, and a couple of weeks ago. Um, but what's interesting is. Um, this year, because of what happened with, with last year's winter, is that uh, the production of natural gas actually went up um, throughout the United States and actually throughout the world. So actually, natural gas stores, even though there was a large, big hit on um, natural gas last year, this year there's enough. they've, they've actually manufactured enough supply-wise so that rates are actually going to be lower this year than they were last year. So for the average homeowner who could choose between heating his home with electricity Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, nat- or natural gas, mm-hmm. uh, which one is cheaper? Um, the- over the over the long run, natural gas is cheaper. It's uh, it's it's a, a commodity that's in more abundant supply. Um, it doesn't um, and with um, uh, with all the transitioning and everything that's happening with electricity with electricity generation nowadays, um, natural gas is a great is a great power source, a great alternative. Um, to heat your home, and um, I actually have natural gas in my home, and I absolutely love it. 
Um, I've had natural gas, you know, ever since I moved into my home. And, um, of course, now, you know, obviously, you know, I, I do get very good rates uh, for my natural gas supply. Um, but natural gas is a little more is, is a little more reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's in it, there. And again, there is a large supply of it. Um, I don't have, you know, a, a, a lot of current figures, but um, natural gas supply is uh, is very good, is a very good alternative for homes. Okay. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the electrical situation where sure. EPA is making these coal plants shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that mean we're going to have interruptions in electrical supply? Here no. in the Midwest, no, not at all. Um, because electric, uh, because you know, there's still going to be plants generating electricity throughout the country. We also and um, we get a very hot day in the middle of the summer, and we don't have that extra capacity from the coal plant. Uh, where does that electricity come from? Well, there are going to there are some alternative um, electricity supplies um, that are actually ramping up now that will be able to help sustain some of that extra um uh demand that's going to be on the grid come the summertime mm-hmm. um where would that be coming from well you're talking you're looking at uh alternatives such as hydroelectric power you're looking at um some of the most popular ones that are are we're damming more rivers here in ohio not in ohio no uh, not yet <laughs> and the reason and the reason why right now is because um hydroelectric power is um is pretty costly cuz you figure you have to build the dam and then you have to build the plant um, and then generate the electricity, and then of course, you know, that, obviously that cost gets you know uh, brought back to the consumer. Uh, one area of um, alternative energy that's really gaining some um, some uh, I guess momentum is wind. Um, you know, the big windmills that you see out there. You know, I've, uh, there's none here in Ohio, but oh, there are plenty in Ohio. Oh, there are right along Route 30 between uh, 75 and the Indiana border. There must be looks like a 500 windmills. Oh, I didn't even... Okay. Most oh. of them aren't turning when I drive by, <laughs> uh, which, which which leads me to the question, you know, why are people investing in windmills if there's no wind? Well, again, because it's a clean energy source. Um, and the technology... Uh, but if there's no wind... If there's, if there's no wind, then yeah, why would you put them up? Doesn't make sense. Um, At least I've never seen them spinning very fast. <laughs> well, they don't have... Well... Again, I don't. I'm not really expertly an expert on wind power, um, but I, you know, some information. Um, you know, some of the advantages to wind power are plants. Um, let's see, uh, it's renewable. Okay, so it's renewable energy. Mm-hmm. But some of the disadvantages, uh, there's, you know, there's not, you know, there's only so much land that you can use. Again, changing climate. Mm-hmm. Okay, will will affect you know how those how those windmills. Spin and how they in the how the turbines and how much energy those turbines can generate. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see, uh, let's see. Of course, you have things like drought. I mean, diff, you know, again, different in different seasons. So, again, it, it it is a pop it is a popular method right now with you know wind power, but it does have its disadvantages. But I mean, you're going to. And I've heard environmentalists don't like wind power because they claim the turbine blades kill birds and bats. Well, there's there's going to be I mean there's going to be there's going to be opponents to every to everything. Um, the, same, the same you know environmentalists are telling us that the you know that the coal plants you know need to be shut down because of carbon emissions, and I understand that. But um, you know at the end of the day, you know not everyone's going to agree on you know what's going to be the number one thing, and that's why there's different. That's why there's different alternatives. It's not just one. There's mm-hmm. solar power. There's Fission is also um, also coming into uh, coming into play again. So, you know, uh, the bottom line though is, um, are we building any nuclear power plants in America? Not that I'm aware of. Um, I know if there's a, and if there, I'm sure there are some that are existing, but they're talking about nuclear fission, which you know obviously creates a lot of power when you split an atom. Um, but uh, you know, the science behind being able to harness that energy and turn it into electricity for homes. I'm not 100% sure on how that works. But um, the article I found here is from uh, the Nature, uh, which uh, a magazine called Nature from um, August of 2008, talks about all of the different uh, types of uh, alternative energy sources. 
And again, in their like again, they are picking up momentum because you know if you shut down a coal plant, well, you got to find something to replace you know that that energy production mm-hmm. because you're right. It, essentially, you know, if the grid becomes strained, well, what's going to happen? You end up with you end up with brownouts, blackouts, and you know all kind all kinds of craziness. You become a third world country. Yeah, they all just about, but. Um, uh, well, it, blackouts and brownouts are, are endemic in most third world countries. Mm-hmm. We only get electricity four hours a day. Right. Uh, yeah. It's rationed. Uh, is that what's going to happen to an America, America if we keep closing coal no, plants? No, no, not at all. Um, you know, the, uh, again, I, you know, will it happen sporadically? Of course it will. But will it be something so widespread that it will, you know, uh, basically shut down the entire electrical grid throughout the country? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's, an, there's enough energy stores, you know, just like, just like with, you know, nat- just like with oil, you know, the United States, we have billions of barrels of oil in reserve. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always, there's always a reserve and there's always a backup. There's a backup to a backup. So if one thing goes down, something kicks up to, to pick that, to pick up that demand. And it's, it's happened here in Cincinnati, even without the shutdown of, um, you know, of, of coal fire plants. There've been incidences where, um, you know, one power plant goes down, and the other power plant has to pick up that pick up that capacity. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the grid is designed; it, it has redundancies to be able to handle, um, you know, shutdowns and blackouts and things like that across. And it's about the country. So, in this area, the grid is controlled by Duke, or is there a, a federal situation? Um, the well, the grid. It's the the grid. Duke Duke controls uh, most. Um, Pretty much all the power plants here locally in Cincinnati. Um, obviously, there is some federal regulations that you know um, limit them as to how much they can control. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but for for the most part, yes, Duke Energy is the uh, is the is the facilitator for the power stations here locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, power deregulation uh, caused a lot of problems in some states. Uh, uh, in what ways? With the commodity pricing of power and power being diverted to uh, places where it was uh, going to be sold at a higher price, causing shortages in, in areas where it had to be sold at lower prices, um, has the deregulation here been substantially different than in other states? Uh, honestly, you know, I'm that I'm not really a hundred percent sure about, Mike. Um, you know, from from a standpoint, uh, when it, when a state becomes deregulated, fully deregulated, and that actually has to come through um, through obviously federal law and state laws. You know, the states decide they want to be deregulated, and that and because right now, I mean, obviously the federal government has mandated that states need to be right need need to be deregulated for energy, mm-hmm. um, and each state has to vote on, or each state has to decide and work it out. You know, who are they going to allow to come in? Um, so states. States do kind of regulate who comes in, um, what third-party suppliers are allowed to operate in their state. Um, as far as you know, as far as price setting and things, you know, obviously uh, there is there is a check. There has to be there are some checks and balances with it. Um, if you see one supplier, you know, basically with with super high rates, you know, there is some there is some investigative. Um, measures that can be taken to make sure that they are they are following the rules that were established by the federal government for deregulation. So, uh, a company like yours, yeah, um, where do you get the actual electricity or gas uh, for the consumer that so, the consumer is being billed for? How so, does that work? Okay, so once um, once gas once natural gas and electricity are produced via coal power, wind, uh, fracking, whatever the case is. Um, it is then per- it is then purchased in bulk um, by these third-party suppliers. So Zoom Energy, IGS, Duke Energy does the same thing. So they will bu- they will buy a, a, in bulk, you know, based on what they feel the demand is going to be, and sell that off to the consumers at you know six and a half cents a kilowatt, seven cents a kilowatt, uh, fifty-five cents per unit of gas, which is actually uh, British, actually, it's based on a British thermal unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so it's based off per cubic foot of gas for, okay. and that's for Duke Energy. So, um, 
And that's essentially how it works. So that's why, and since the third-party suppliers don't have the infrastructure costs that the Duke Energies of the world do, the utilities, that's why they can offer the lower rates for okay. the actual for the actual supply of gas and electricity. Um, <clears throat> again, if you have any questions for Sean, uh, our number is 646-595-4916. I'll be able to handle the calls during the break. We're going to uh, listen to a couple of uh, Sandler commercials. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth and Sean Denity. Uh, we're talking about uh, power deregulation. Uh, but, Sean, one of our regular features on the show is we ask uh, business leaders like yourself sure. to give our listeners a leadership tip. Okay. Well, what I what I can say is um, from what I do, um, energy deregulation, um, understand what you're talking about when you are dealing with a consumer. Um, and first and foremost, be honest. Um, you know, because energy deregulation is a very lucrative industry right now. Uh, Warren Buffett, uh, in an interview with Forbes magazine, indicated that energy deregulation is going to be the largest shift of wealth in human history. So um, don't go out there expecting to make a quick buck. Go out there and actually help the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, People are, like I said at the beginning of the show, people don't know that much about their bills. And if they do, better, more power to them. And I'm, I'm, I love talking to people that actually do know about their gas and electric bills, but a lot of people don't. So, um, like I, you know, my best, my best leadership advice is be of good standing, make sure you're certified, be honest, and give the consumer a fair deal. Good. Uh, why don't you explain to our, our listeners? Uh, your involvement with the cellular phone industry. Oh, sure. Uh, well, I started in the wireless uh, industry back in 2000 and um, I think it was two, yeah, 2009. I worked for T-Mobile. Um, business to business sales. Um, was there for uh, about eh, about 18 months and then was laid off and then was uh, hired on at Sprint and was there for about for five years. Um my involvement in the wireless world, uh, I'll tell you, it's it's a price war. It's really it's just about a, it's it's basically a price war out there. Um, and what I've learned over the course of time is price does not always equate to value. Um, in dealing with cons- dealing with business customers, the number one thing that they were concerned about was uh, the functionality of the device and the power and the strength of the network to be able to 
not only talk to their own employees, but to be able to talk to the the customers as well. And um, and even though you know I've been around you know wireless for seven years, um, Verizon has always been in my in my estimation the best in terms of voice voice and data coverage. Um, and I'm actually a Verizon customer now, uh, <laughs> so. Um, but you know, it, again, that you know, it, the one thing I will t- I will say to business owners and consumers out there is price never never really means value. Um, from a customer service standpoint, that's the other thing that was um, that's always been a big knock on the wireless industry and still is to this day. Um, you know, you're calling an 800 number to go through about 20 different prompts to finally get to a live voice, um, or you're going into a retail establishment or a retail store, a brick-and-mortar store, uh, to talk to somebody who really, I've heard over the course of time, doesn't care too much about my problems, just wants to sell me an ad- either a new phone or add a d- an additional service to my plan. Um, and that's not right. You know, in my eyes, um, and Mike, I'm sure you, through your experiences with uh, going into the Verizon stores around, it's one of the more horrifying experiences yeah. in my life. How can I waste three hours of my life going to a Verizon store to talk about a phone? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and the same thing with Sprint and T-Mobile and and um, AT and T. And one of the things I've always heard. Um, also, is that you know a lot of these companies will nickel and dime the consumers to death. You know, you've got regulatory fees, you've got FCC fees, you've got you know surcharges that uh, that the companies uh, charge. They actually will charge you a restocking fee just to you know if you're trading in a phone or if you're you know want to get an exchange on a phone that doesn't work, they still will charge you a restocking fee. And it's you know it's those kinds of things that <clears throat> you know frustrated me to no end in working in the wireless world because. Um, I just, you know, I did, I did not want to nickel and dime consumers. I wanted to give them a good deal. And here, and one of the things too is that, you know, if they were with, if they, if they were happy with what they had, I didn't want to try and sell them something mm-hmm. unless it was there was a solution. Now, one of the one of the big things that business to business wireless does now, not so much phones, but it's it's a solution base. So a lot of a lot of customers are looking to go paperless. They're looking to track their people, their assets. They're looking to automate a lot of their um, systems and a lot of their processes right now. And there, that is a benefit that a lot of wireless companies can provide, is that they can provide those types of solutions. But, again, it's that, and that's a very data-centric, um, data-heavy type of application. So um, if I was going to want to go paperless, why would I want to use Verizon as the vendor? Why wouldn't I get a better cloud vendor? Well, um, I, this, because Verizon usually has the, the, the larger the cell phone carriers, because they work, they actually are they can be as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, a lot of like you know, if you were looking at Microsoft Office 365 or you know Google Cloud, I'm uh, just going to talk about storing simple photographs. Yeah, you can. I mean, Google. I mean, what well, Google? Verizon. You can do that. Verizon does have cloud applications. And going with you know going with the bigger carriers is um, it's usually it's more secure. Um, you know we hear. But well, I've had you know some photos mm-hmm. uh, that just plain disappeared. I had a car fire and I had some nice photos of the car fire from last January. Oh, uh, car burnt. Yeah. And my passenger snapped some wonderful uh, landing <laughs> Mercedes pictures, and they seem to have disappeared from my phone. They say, ah. Um, well, okay, so the question I would, the first question I would ask is, is, do you back up your phone and the data that's on it? It's supposedly automatically backed up because it's an to Android. An, well, to an SD card, right? Because generally, every every cell phone has an internal memory, like a, like a hard drive. Right. And you can, and stuff is, you can save stuff to there, but you can also, you can also back up um, your phone just like you back up your laptop. So if the, if the photos disappeared... There's probably there's some technical glitch that happened on your phone, but they could still be on your hard drive. You'd have to take it into a store to see if they can retrieve them, uh, which would be, like you said, a three-hour waste of your money. Uh, three hours you'll never get back. But um, and there's a lot of features on the phones. Uh, I too am a Verizon customer, mm-hmm. uh, and it just does mysterious things. And when I call them, I could I waste an hour of my life talking <laughs> to some people 
who don't seem to know much more than me, and then they wind up transferring me to Motorola, who usually isn't much better. Right. And uh, <clears throat> well, you know what? Phones have gotten. You know, phones are now like you know mini computers, and uh, you know they act as such. Mm-hmm. You know, so when there's a glitch and they have an issue, um, which actually that could that's probably a good business model is to open up a cellular repair store. <laughs> Or an aftermarket, or an aftermarket uh, cellular service location. Uh, well, these guys at uh, Batteries Plus Bulbs now do cellular phone repair. Yeah, well, and that's another thing too, because um, it's too easy talk, to break the glass. It is, and when you talk about you know uh, breaking your cell phones, because you know those things aren't cheap. I mean, you're talking six, seven hundred dollars. You know, if you want a top of the line, you know, iPhone or Galaxy, Samsung Galaxy. Um, and the the carriers, you know, Sprint, Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T, I mean, they have, you know, they have insurance that they sell to uh, consumers and businesses, but the premiums are generally pretty darn high. It's ridiculous. I looked at it. Yeah. I used like, to have it, but it, <clears throat> they, they have a $90 or something phone replacement fee after you pay for the premium. And then you got to pay the deductible. It, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, just as, a, as an aside on that iPhone 6, the phone that apparently flexes when you put it in your pocket and breaks. <laughs> uh, did Apple ever come up with a fix for that? I be- I believe they did, and I think part of it is don't sit on your phone. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, beginning to sound like foot frack. Yeah. You know what? But here, here's here's the one here's the one thing I here's the one thing I try to tell I, t- I tell consumers. You know, you don't need the insurance plan if you have a damn good case on your phone. You know, if you put a case on your phone, the odds of you having to take it in for repair, replace it, are greatly diminished. Unless you, unless you know, unless you're in the construction industry, all right. Unless you're in some some business where you're hard on your phone, um, if you put a good case on your phone, you're not going to have to worry about replacing it. Mm. You know, the other thing I tell people too is. Um, you know, make sure you clean up your phone. You know, shut down applications that aren't working. Clear data. Clear the cache that's in those applications because applications, you know, use data. And, you know, and again, those are obviously, you know, questions that, you know, when people, when I say things like cache and clear data and all this and that, you know, a lot of consumers are like, well, what the heck is that? Well, that's... There's special programs. There's one for Android called MasterClean that I use mm-hmm. to uh, reclaim uh, memory. Yeah, and uh, I, I in fact had a problem with this Motorola phone. It was overheating, uh, and the battery was dying because of applications that were kept open. Mm-hmm. And I thought I needed a new battery or a new phone. And yep. uh, one of the fellows who worked for me said, "Mike, just uh, get rid of these applications like Facebook, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> and LinkedIn." Who's going to turn? Who who is going to shut down their social media sites on their phones? I did, and the battery. Back up to uh, more than a day. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you know, Facebook and, and, and LinkedIn seem to have been draining the battery. You know, the one thing you know, you mentioned uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. You know, it, it the other thing that that that's a huge trend nowadays, and I think a lot of listeners will agree with me on this, is that we don't we haven't become we we've come from a society of making a phone call to sending a text message and sending an email. You haven't have you noticed that? Well, you know, we had that discussion in today's President's Club class. Yeah. That uh, emails have become so prolific and so overwhelming. Um, you know, I get over 300 emails a day. Yeah. I'm, oh, uh, gosh. And it's impossible to, with 100% accuracy, uh, react to the emails that I have to react to. Right. Uh, they get Because the, the ones that are coming in from someone new that I've never talked to before, Mm-hmm. But has a legitimate issue that I, I need to talk to him about uh, may get put into the spam pile or the delete file just as fast. Right. Uh, whereas uh, direct first class mail, you know, on an average day I probably only get one first class letter with a stamp mm-hmm. addressed to me, and I'll actually read that. Uh, so that's coming back. You know what? I, there's something to be said for that. You know, there really is because, uh, you know, I know, you know, everyone is, there's a lot of people out there that are more tech savvy and would rather text and do emails. But, you know, we grew up in the generation of, you know, if you want to, you know, you send a letter, you send a thank you letter, you send a correspondence, you make a phone call, you talk to somebody. I grew up with smoke signals, you know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm really old. (laughs) 
so yeah, so you're, you're a little more old school than I am, but uh, but um, you know, and I, you know, and I. In a lot of cases, I've kind of fallen into that trap as well because, you know, having, you know, technology was, was my business for many, many years. Um, I learned Morse code, you know, da 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 Oh, yeah, Yep, I remember Morse code. Um, so I've fallen into the trap of text message and email as well. But, um, you know, there's still something to be said for, you know, face-to-face talking somebody on the phone. I mean, when you're – whether you're a salesperson or whether you're, you know, whatever your mother, father um, – um, you know, sister, brother, friend, whatever the case is, you know, there's something to be said for really getting the idea of how somebody's feeling by by hearing their voice. Yeah, that's it's very extremely valuable. Yeah, you can't you can't you can't tell emotion via text message or email. Well, you could maybe, but yeah. text messaging doesn't 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 cut it. Let's take a a short commercial break sure. here again. And if you have any questions for Sean, uh, the number is six four six five nine five four nine. One six. Let's listen to uh, a Sandler rule. We'll listen to Sandler rule number thirty-four. Hello, I'm Jerry Weinberg, Sandler Training, and I'm here today to talk about Sandler rule number thirty-four, which says work smart and not hard. So. One of the things we need to do when we're involved in in going after a a prospect is to learn how to qualify and disqualify early on. Uh, It's been my experience, you know, having done this for many, many years, as we coach our clients, as, as we train them, that they seem to spend, many of them, an incredible amount of time chasing, following up business they're never going to get. And for goodness sakes, if you're going to follow, you know, finish second, why do you even want to bother being in there? We don't get paid on experience. And frequently what happens is uh, we, we have a prospect maybe who's on our top ten list, let's say, and we want so badly to meet them, and we finally get an appointment with Mr. or Ms. Big, and, and uh, we're brought in there, and uh, next thing you know, we're doing a proposal to a totally unqualified situation. And uh, maybe it's a much larger piece of business than we normally would be working with. And we wind up in Think It Overland. And next thing you know, we're following up and we're, we're making phone calls and, and we're sending emails and nothing's happening. I'll tell you what is happening is we're not prospecting because we're spending too much time with prospects we're never going to do business with. In fact, I'd like you to write that question down and kind of track it over the next several days. How much time? Do I spend following up, chasing business I'm never going to get, and how do I suffer with that? One of the ways that you can work around that is instead of going after a a large chunk of dollars, start with a smaller piece. We call it a monkey's paw. Get some dollars, maybe for an assessment, maybe for a pilot program. You'll also keep your competition out of the picture. You'll at least feel like you're making some progress, and then you can make it work better. So, again, Jerry Weinberg, Sandler Rule number 34, work smart, not hard. So, this is Mike Roth and Sean Denevy. Uh We're now in the last segment of the show, Sean. Okay. So, is it, is it okay if I throw a lot of Palooza question at you? <laughs> you can be my guest. We have a theory of operation here at uh, Sandler Training by Roth and Associates that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. And to solve a complex problem, you have to use an equally complex solution. Perhaps you could share with our our listeners a complex problem that you've run into in the energy business and the equally complex solution you've applied to to solve it. Oh, my goodness. Um, Well... The, the complex the, the complex problem is um, was actually um, understanding how to figure out uh, how to look at someone's energy bill and calculate what their rate the actual rate for their gas electric supply was. So the easiest thing for me to do that I you know was obviously I looked at my own bills. I actually called Duke Energy mm-hmm. um, because. Uh, you know, when you see a bill and it's got like 10 different line items, I actually called to ask 
how do I calculate what my electric rate is? Mm-hmm. And they basically said, well, if you calculate, you know, if you add up the different riders and um, on the um, um, supply side of your electric bill, and you can divide that by the amount of kilowatts that were actually used, that will give you your actual rate. Um, and I found that to be at rather um, useful information when talking to consumers, but figuring out exactly what the rate is for what I pay for supply of my gas and electricity, that was, that was, the, that was a big challenge. Um, How long did it take you to figure that out, Sean? Uh, it took me a couple of days. Really? Well, because yeah, because I mean, it's it's information that I wanted to know. I mean, when I started when I started my my business, um, I realized that um, you know people are gonna these are questions that people are gonna ask me. I can't just say, uh, you know, hey, do me a favor, <laughs> or mm-hmm. you know, do me a favor and you know try my service out. I mean, in some cases that may work, but um, in other cases, you know, I've always been the kind of um, person. And Mike, you've known me for a long time that. Um, I want to educate people on what I know, um, and I want to people. I want people to be informed um, before they make a decision. And for me to inform them, I need to understand, and I need to be ed- educated on what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Because you know, if 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 I don't have credibility, if I don't have um, you know the, the trust of the person that I am talking to, then Everything I do from a sales perspective or from a consulting perspective or whatever it is that I do is it doesn't make any sense. It won't work. So um, going out and educating myself on how to decipher bills, how to calculate rates um, was, you know, was the challenge. But I, I came to that challenge and I now know how to do that. Good. So let me ask you the, the, the logical uh, follow-on question. Sure. How does a consumer or a business owner n- know which uh, of the approved by the PUC vendors to choose from? Should they choose only on price? Um, no. Okay. This is something, and this is something we haven't talked about yet, and I think it's important. You ch- you choose your rate based on how long you want the rate to last. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want, I never, ever, ever would advise a consumer or a business owner to go into a variable rate type of situation with their gas and electricity. Rates rates fluctuate and are seasonal. All right. So during the winter months you're gonna see you're gonna see a spike in rates probably for gas and electric because of the demand is going to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, during the summertime electric rates are always going to be high because it's summer. It's going to be high. You want your air conditioners running. Mm-hmm. Uh, natural gas tends to go up in the wintertime because it's cold. Spring and spring and fall are generally are rather mild, rather mild um, seasons. So mm-hmm. rates tend to be a little bit lower. But um, you know, I always tell people to get a locked rate. Lock in your rate for twelve or twenty-four months or thirty-six months, depending on who you talk with um, or what or what supplier you're you're looking at. Um, and the big the reason I say that is because you know that kind of that will make your your bill more predictable and it's not subject to very high you know large variations in terms of overall cost of what your your monthly electric bill is going to be so what you're saying the old days of, of Duke Duke offering you a uh, a budget bill that's going to give bill you the same amount every month across the year and it's supposed to average out at the end of the year yeah but you still got to yeah but you still got to pay that back over the over after that after that budget billing period goes out if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm right and so, if, if you pay too much and you get a credit. Right. So what I, you know, and once the, and, and the thing is true, and this is another thing for folks to know, is that once that 12 or 24 month rate expires, mm-hmm. you go back on a month to month, which is a variable rate. So a good energy supplier will let you know of that ahead of time so that, you know, you'll know when your time is up. Um, is that a requirement that the suppliers must um Provide a letter to you 30 or 60 days before the end of your term that your term contract is expiring. I have not investigated that, but from people that I've talked to, they do get notice notifications. Like you know, so for example, um, gentleman that I that we both know in Rotary who will we'll keep that nameless um, had an aggregate through his um, municipality. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they ag- So and that's another 
topic, and I don't think we'll have enough time to get into it, is aggregation. But anyway, um, so once that once that once that pricing contract runs out with that particular municipality, letters do go out to consumers, letting them know that this is going to end. I actually just recently got um, a notification from Zoom Energy, my supplier, that my gas rate um, is going to expire in two months, so that I need to resign or I need to you know relock relock myself. So I would say, from the experiences that I've had, without actually investigating it too much, that yes you will get some kind of a notification that if you are on a locked rate, you will get some notification that it's expiring. If you're on a variable rate, you don't get anything. You just see your bills go up and down month after month after month. Um, if you're any, any of your listeners are out there right now in that kind of a situation with a variable rate, please, please, please get in touch with me or go to the Public Utilities of Ohio website and look at the different suppliers that are out there because if you're on a variable rate, you know, you are going to be paying your the, the utility dictates that rate, and that's Duke Energy's rate, or that's whoever your utility is. You get to, you have to pay their rate, and it goes up and down month over month. And generally, like I said, this time of year, the rate's going to go up. Now that's an unusual uh, scenario. I would think the underlying sub- supplier of the power, Duke, mm-hmm. uh, in the local area, should be able to provide the lowest possible rates. Why don't they? Well, simply put, because they, you know, they have overhead. You know, they have they have to put in for you know like salaries and um, equipment and um, buildings and assets. I mean, everything that they have has. It's just that's that's why cell. You take cell phones for example. Cell phone plans are pretty expensive if you go through the actual carrier, like a Sprint, Verizon, AT and T, T Mobile. Their rates are going to be a little bit higher than if you went to say like a third party dealer like a Cricket, uh, like a Cricket or a um, uh, uh, Metro PCS or a Boost or a Virgin Mobile. Their rates are going to be lower because they don't have the infrastructure costs that are built into their plans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, by the way, do they have the same type of phones, um, or do they have inferior phones? Uh, yes and no. Um, Which means. Well, they're going to have Samsungs. They're going to have HTCs. They're going to have they 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 may have iPhones, um, but you're you're they're not going to be they're not going to be the top of the line. They're not going to be because the cell phone carriers will get the latest and greatest first. So, um, you know, an iPhone six you can go into a Verizon store and get, but if you went into a Metro PCS, you probably wouldn't be able to get an iPhone six right now. Um, and if you and if you are well. God love you. Good, you know, I'm happy for you. <laughs> but getting getting back to the, getting back to the energy thing. Um, so Duke Duke will set their rates based on what they what they have purchased the gas and electricity for to supply to consumers, and also add in their overhead costs into that rate. Mm-hmm. All right, um, that is, and that's one of the biggest reasons why deregulation came into play because you you know. That the utilities had total control over what the what the price and what to cost out to consumers in terms of supply, and you know you got you could get into instances of price gouging. You had monopolies, you had whatever, so you were stuck paying Duke rates, whatever they wanted to charge you. Now they did have they did come up with Duke Energy retail, but that's still Duke Energy. So um, well, that's a, let's stop there for a second since sure. we have the time. Yeah. What's the difference between Duke Energy and Duke Energy Retail? Okay, is that two names for the same animal? Well, no. So Duke Energy, Duke Energy remains the utility. Duke Energy Retail is their third, from my understanding, is the is Duke Energy's third party supplier for gas and electricity. So you can actually get a rate from Duke Energy Retail, and it would be lower than if you went through Duke Energy Direct. Does that make sense? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> okay. So I'll change the subject on you. Sure. Uh, are you thinking of adding any sales employees to your energy company? Well, uh, you know what? I no, because I'm 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 actually an independent business owner for what I do. So um, I'm I'm all self-contained, and that's fine with me. Um, you know, at some point in time, I mean, yes, I actually would. Like to show other people how this works mm-hmm. um, and how they could, um, you know, possibly take advantage of, um, you know, how the energy deregulation and, you know, get a little piece of the pie, so to speak, um, because it is it is open for anyone to get involved in, really. 
Um, and the model and the business model that I have is it's proven. It's a 21-year-old system, um, and it really does work. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're offering this service to consumers, um, you know, at great prices and great rates, but you have to be knowledgeable, educated, and certified to be able to do it. Okay, so it's a certification. You actually have to take a test. You actually have to be, yes. You actually do have to take a certification test uh, through Zoom Energy before you are allowed to go out and represent and talk to consumers about energy supply and um, energy deregulation. Mm-hmm. Is that something you have to have continuing education for, or is it a one-time certification? Um, no, they actually you actually have to recertify yourself every year. Really? Yeah. Um, because well, because, and why not? I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, things change, rules change, laws change. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously, you know, you have to stay on top of that. Um, because if someone asks you asks one of those questions about you know how does this work or well isn't there a law about that or whatever I mean obviously you have to you know you have to be certified to, and if you can't answer it you know but at least you know more often than not you know you lose that credibility but um, you know certainly you know the more information and the more knowledge that you have and if you and being able to get you know and staying certified it it does help it really does. So if a consumer wanted to uh, put solar panels on their roof and a windmill up and they generated more power than their home was using, uh, does Duke actually have to buy that power back for them here in Ohio? Wow. Um, I've been accused of asking tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a tough one. That You know what, Mike, that's one I can't really answer now. What I do know is that if you were going to do solar and wind and all that stuff in your backyard, you actually have to get permits to do it. Um yeah so there there is a, there is a permission process that's in place if you want to if you want to do solar wind or anything else along those lines to generate power I know there's a, there's a firm selling a uh a solar uh steam generator system for auto dealers that supposedly takes the auto dealer off the grid really uh 362 days a year Oh interesting um by generating Electricity uh, locally. Um, hmm. Are those kinds of uh, things possible, or is it just uh, on a case, pie in the pie in the sky? Uh, it's, it, it, that's a case by case basis with that. Um, if you're talking about generating your own electricity without, you know, and and jumping off the grid and kind of being your own little electric entity, mm-hmm. um, with backup from Duke. With backup from Duke, yeah. Um, I mean, it's possible, um, but. At the end of the day, what's that? What what is that cost? What is the cost of maintaining, you know, that kind of uh, that kind of a solution for your home or your business? Um, same thing like you were we were talking about with you know the the wind and solar and everything else. I mean, what's the cost to maintain? Putting solar panels on your house is very costly. Um, the rewards obviously are good because you know solar energy um, yeah is very abundant. Obviously, unless you know it's a very cloudy day or it's dark. Like we've had for the last yeah, last, <laughs> yeah, so Cincinnati and solar is probably not going to be a good solution. Um, the Mojave Desert and solar is probably pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent a week out in Phoenix, a couple of days out in Phoenix, and it was sunny every single day. So, um, but you know, at the at the end of the day, I mean, the, the bottom line, you know, for for ever, for all your listeners and the consumers out there is, look, you know, you have a choice. You have choices. Um, you know, do you need do consumers? Do you guys, folks out there, really need to go through all of that understanding of you know shutdown of coal plants and all this, that, and the other? No, but what you do need to understand is how to read your how to read your energy bill and how to understand what it is that you're paying for the actual supply of gas and electricity. What I've done is given you some some information on um, how deregulation works, what's happening in the industry, and why prices are going up and down the way they are. Um, but, uh, the general consumer, you know, is looking to save money mm-hmm. and, um, I'm here to help them do that. Good. Sean, why don't you tell everyone again how they can get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, you can call me at, uh, area code 513-227-4284, uh, email at SPD, that's Sam Paul David, 6473 at yahoo.com. Or at my website, which is www.shawndenedy.com. 
A-C-N-I-B-O.com. Sean, thanks again for being on our show. I'm giving you a copy of the uh, Sandler Rules book. Oh, cool. Uh, made, made it to number one on the Amazon bestseller list. I don't doubt that for one minute. And uh, again, thanks thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it, Mike. Good. Let's have uh, Scott take us away and close out the show. Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.